Well, a few years ago in the US, a couple of uh, teenagers, uh, Marvin and Schiller, uh, they were pretending to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, if you've never heard of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, they started out as a cartoon. Uh, they're turtles who are trained to be ninjas by a rat, and they go around beating up bad guys, etc. Anyhow, their base camp is down in the sewers. So when Marvin and Schiller decided to pretend to be the turtles, they thought that the first thing they needed to do was get a base camp. So Marvin and Schiller went down into the sewer system of Casena Park in Queens. Now, you've got to admire them, I reckon, for their authenticity. But as you've probably already guessed, Marvin and Schiller got lost. Our make-believe heroes were crawling around the sewer system when they got confused. They lost their way. Thankfully, rescue workers found them and got them out. But can you imagine it? Lost in a sewer system, squelching around in the muck and filth of a city's refuse, not knowing which way is right, not knowing how to get out, not knowing if you'll get out, lost in muck, desperately needing someone to come and get you out. Now, I tell you this story because it's a little snapshot of our world without God. By writing our own agendas for our own lives, in other words, determining for ourselves what our lives are about, we are lost in the muck of our sin, desperately needing God to show us the way out. And this morning is all about how God has done just that. That despite our sin, God has spoken to us by his word. He's still got an agenda for us and he's revealed it in his scriptures, which means we are the people who've abandoned our own agendas for our lives. We now listen to God to tell us what our lives are all about. But in order to appreciate this wonder that God would reveal his agenda to us, we do need to come to terms with just how desperately we need God to tell us what life's all about. Because on our own, just left to ourselves... We've lost God's agenda. This is what we thought about last week. That despite the fact that we're mere creatures, we pathetically attempt to lose our creator and his agenda for us. Like a piece of pottery trying to tell its maker that it's doing a bad job, we ridiculously presume to have the right to be able to determine for ourselves what our lives are for. And of course we end in disaster. Writing our own agendas has done at least two things for us. One, it's wrecked our lives. Our own sin and the sins of others produce train wreck after train wreck. From petty fights and squabbles to irreparable relationship breakdown, sin wrecks our lives. Now every now and then, by the grace of God, we catch a glimpse, don't we? of what life could be like. We taste something of the goodness and the meaning of life, but as soon as it comes, it goes, and pain and frustration and confusion resume their normal transmission. But sin doesn't just wreck this life. Sin also propels us headlong into the awful judgment of God. God won't let us ignore him forever. Death will come to us all, and our creator and owner will call us to a frightening account. Now, this would make things bad enough. 
our sin already means that we need God to speak to us and to tell us what life's about. But things get even harder. Because not only have we lost God's agenda, God's also hidden it from us. Whereas in the Garden of Eden, if you can recall last week, Adam and Eve, what did they do? They walked in the garden with God in the cool of the day. But now, on our own, left to ourselves, we haven't got a clue where God is or who he is, what he's doing, where is he, what life's about. Left to ourselves, without God speaking to us, we're unable to know him. Have a look at the screen uh, for these verses from 1 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul writes, Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know him. You see that? The world, us on our own, without God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know God. And God, in his wisdom, has made it this way. That left to ourselves, we can't know him. Can you see how much we need God to reveal himself and his agenda to us? It's like we are lost helplessly down a never-ending labyrinth of sewers with no known way out, wandering around in the muck and the stench of our sin and frustration and death, darkness all around, no light of escape. And it's not that we've got a torch and a map, but we forgot that we put them in our backpack. It's that there is no torch and there is no map. After setting our own agendas, determining for ourselves what our lives are about, we've fallen down a hole we can't get out of. It's not that we need a little bit of a helping hand to get us back on track. We need God to rip open this thing called life and to haul us out of our muck and to shine his light so that we can see the real world again. Friends, we have to abandon any pretension to setting our own agendas for our lives. Because we've gone and lost God's agenda for us and because God's made it that we can't know him on our own, we desperately need God to break into our world and reveal his agenda to us. And the good news is that he has. By his word, by his life-giving light of his scriptures, God reveals himself and his agenda to us. That God would speak to us is grand, but that he would do it when we're in such a predicament, his word is life to us. Turn with me, please, if, you, if you've closed it up, but to 2 Timothy chapter 3, the bit of the Bible we just had read to us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, because here we see that God has an agenda to save us and to transform us, and that it's by the scriptures that God rips open this thing called life, and he hauls us out of our muck and shines his light. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to pick it up from verse 14. Verse 14. Paul's talking to his uh, dear friend Timothy, and he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What marvellous verses, friends. God's word 
the scriptures. They speak into our muck and into our sin and into our death with words. Look at it there in verse 15. With words that make us wise for salvation through Christ. At this stage, we see that God's agenda revealed in the scriptures, it's all about Jesus, the one who can save. But God's word about his son isn't just about Christ saving us from judgment. Otherwise, God's agenda would leave us with our own agendas, with us plowing on, piling up train wreck after train wreck. Thankfully, God's agenda is for our lives in the here and now as well. Thankfully, God's word about his son in the Bible scraps our agendas for our lives and gives us God's agenda for our lives. Look at verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What a rich vein the scriptures are. It's like mining for gold, but you get diamonds as well. God's breathed out word about his son, it teaches us about what life's all about. It rebukes us when we're just plain wrong. It corrects us as we try and live according to God's agenda. It trains us in righteousness. It's fantastic that God would speak to us of Christ and salvation. He also tells us what life's all about and how to truly live. The scriptures reveal God's agenda. But please notice that as scripture does these things, it does so with authority. This revelation from God about his agenda for our lives, it comes with weight. God in the scriptures, he doesn't speak to offer an opinion. He doesn't declare his word, reveal his agenda for us to quibble with him. It's not like when we're unhappy with a doctor, we might go and get a second opinion. No, in the scriptures, God teaches He rebukes, he corrects, he doesn't advise. God is God. He doesn't speak and then ask us if that's okay. We're not in a position to pick and choose the bits of God's word we like, but then ignore the bits that we don't like. If we take what we like from God's word and reject the bits we don't, we just end up with a God of our own making and back to writing our own agendas which is just disastrous. Now, thankfully, in the scriptures, we have God's authoritative word, a word we're not at liberty to quarrel with, a word I trust we've come to love, a word we don't want to resist because we've come to know that God is in fact God and his word shines his light into our darkness. So we don't make any decisions in life without thinking through what God's got to say about it. We don't make any choices independent of God's word, and not just because his word is authoritative, but also because God's word is wonderfully sufficient. Have a look at verse 17. The scriptures teach, rebuke, correct, and train, verse 17, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Or more literally, the scriptures fully qualify us to complete every good work. The scriptures, they're just wonderfully sufficient. We don't need another source of information. We don't need God to give us another word. In his own word about his own son, God's given us all we need for life and godliness and salvation. He's 
thoroughly equipped us for every good work. This is wonderfully liberating. In our Bibles, we have God's complete word for our entire lives. This complete sufficiency of God's word, it's also seen in the opening verses of Hebrews. So turn with me there, please. Hebrews chapter 1, it's what I read out a bit earlier. It's just two or three pages on from 2 Timothy. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. And I'll walk us through it slowly to, just to help us to see the incredible privilege it is that we have God's word about his son. So Hebrews 1 and verse 1. I'll walk us through it slowly. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So back in the Old Testament, God spoke at many times and in many ways. For example, he spoke through donkeys. If you haven't read that one, you've never lived. It's in Numbers. Go and find him talking through a donkey. He spoke through hands writing on the wall. He spoke through burning bushes. He spoke through his prophets. God spoke at many times and in many ways, verse 2, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. You see, not in many ways anymore, not at many times anymore, in these last days God has spoken by his son. With the arrival and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has spoken finally and fully spoken. By the coming of his son, God has revealed who he is and what he's doing, how we can be saved from our sin, what our lives are truly about, what our agenda really is in life. We can know it all because God has spoken by his son. Now, I know we weren't there when Jesus was around, but in the writings of his scriptures, God speaks to us by his son. The authors of the New Testament, they were there with Jesus or they carefully investigated everything with eyewitnesses. God has used the authors of the New Testament to record for us what Christ revealed about God what Christ revealed about God's agenda for our lives. It is all here in the scriptures, the word of God about the son of God. And having spoken by his son, God has said everything he wants to say. He's got no more news. He's got nothing more to say about himself and life. Because in the past, sure, God spoke by the prophets, but in speaking by his son, God has come to us and spoken in person. Pick it up in verse 2 again. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. You see, God's got nothing more to say than what he said by his son because in his own son, God has come to us in person. In the Lord Jesus, we have the exact representation of God's being. He's not a likeness. He's not a copy. He's not a similarity. The exact representation. The Lord Jesus is God himself. When God's revelation of himself and his agenda reached fulfillment, he spoke by his son. God's agenda is all about Jesus. We're going to think more about that next week. But for now, we simply want to notice that God and his agenda is revealed by the word of God about the Son of God. 
and his word is sufficient. God has spoken supremely and sufficiently by his son in his word. God doesn't promise to speak again because he's got nothing more to say. Now, of course, God could speak to us in whatever way he wanted to. He could. He could speak to you through your pet cat if he wanted to. He can do it through a donkey. He can do it through a cat. He can do whatever he pleases, but God hasn't said that he would. So if you want to hear God speak to you, I don't suggest hanging around your cat. Because in these last days, God's promised to speak in one way by his word about his son. That's where God has promised to speak to us. And so to discover God's agenda for our lives, we simply need to turn to him in his word. If I was talking to my kids and I said to them, I'm going to make a chocolate treasure hunt for you. And I promise you that I will hide chocolates all through the backyard. Now, I could hide some in the neighbour's place, four doors down. It's possible. But I promise you that in the backyard there'll be treasure after treasure of chocolates. Now, where are my kids going to look for the treasures? In the backyard. God promises us that he speaks to us in his word. He hasn't promised to speak to us anywhere else. So why would we go looking anywhere else? In his word, there is treasure after treasure. Because in the Bible, God has spoken sufficiently. In other words, he's got nothing more to add. We live in the most privileged time of all history. We live in the last days when God has finally spoken by his son. How could we think that God's word about his son was somehow insufficient? It would be like being at a wedding and hearing the bride make her vows, promising her groom her faithfulness, her love, her trust, her life, her all, promising all that she is and all that she has to give her husband her very self. But the groom is disappointed and he asks out loud if there's anything more. God's given us his very self. Come to us truly, personally, directly in the word of his son. Surely we're not disappointed and asking God for more as if he's got more to give than his son. And so to know our God, we turn to his word. To know God's agenda for our lives, we come to his scriptures because that's where he's revealed himself. In his word, he's revealed his agenda for our lives. By his scriptures, he shines his light into our dark world and he rescues us from ourselves and our agendas. Now, the implications of all this are enormous. First, we need to see that God's word rewrites our agendas. His word demands that we abandon our own self-made life ambitions because coming up with our own agendas, working out for ourselves what we're going to do with our lives, that's what caused all the trouble in the first place. And so to think that God revealing his agenda would allow us to keep our agendas and then see where God fits into our lives, that's just crazy. God isn't here to help us to achieve our goals. He's not here to help us realise our dreams. He hasn't spoken to confirm us and our agendas. God's got much greater things in store for us. He's spoken to rewrite our agendas. His word saves us and gives us 
new life. And so in the confidence of God having spoken, let's abandon our agendas. Let's ditch our own dreams and our own plans and get out a blank bit of paper. And let's come to God in his word and listen to him tell us what our lives are about. Let's listen to him tell us what's important in life. Let's listen to him tell us what we're to pursue in life. Let's listen to him tell us how we're to pursue those things in life. Let's listen to God as he sets our agenda for us. We need to stop reading the Bible as if it's a self-help book. You know those books that promise you five easy steps to a better you? Follow these principles, find a better you, realize your dreams. The Bible's not like that. God's not like some 24-hour butler or life coach whose sole reason for being here is to make our lives more comfortable. God's not waiting around to find out how he can help us be who we want to be. Thankfully, God's burst through our little bubbles woken us up to our folly, rattled our cages and made us realise he is God and we are not. And God has spoken to save us from judgment, to save us from our own foolishness. It's into the mess of our sin and trouble and confusion that God has spoken to haul us out of the muck, to reveal his agenda for our lives. And so we turn to the scriptures with wonderful expectation ready to listen to God as he completely rewrites our agendas for us. And what is that agenda? Well, that's where we turn to next week. And of course, we're going to turn to the scriptures to find out what it is. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have spoken. Thank you that you did not abandon us. Thank you that despite our sin and our folly and our madness, by your wonderful grace and kindness, you have spoken. Thank you that you have spoken to us by your Son. Thank you that in your word, in your scriptures, we know you truly. And we know your agenda for our lives. To save us, to transform us. And so, Father, we pray that you'd help us to abandon our own agendas and to humbly come before you and to read your scriptures, to hear you speak, that you might tell us what our lives are for and that we might live for you rightly in thankfulness and in complete joy, trusting you to be our Lord and Master, our Heavenly Father, our God and our Saviour. In Jesus' name. Amen.